The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Fantastic job. Aren't you glad we have good music at Parkside Baptist Church? And so what a blessing that is. And thank you, all those that's involved in our music program. Now, lest I forget, we do have Sunday night church too, and uh, that begins at 6 o'clock, and I've been teaching about the will of God. We've been studying the book of Jonah and uh, about the will of God. We've already talked about how Jonah ran from God, and then we saw last Sunday night how Jonah ran to God, and tonight how Jonah runs with God, and then next Sunday night how Jonah runs ahead of God. And so it's a series about the will of God. I hope you'll uh, try to come and be a part of that. Wednesday night's kind of special. It's a teaching time for us here at Parkside Baptist Church. And so I've been teaching a series on knowing the Holy Spirit. And uh, everybody needs to know who he is and how he can help you in your individual walk with the Lord. Now this morning, take your Bible and go back, if you will, and look at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Again, the Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, that he stood by uh, the lake uh, Gennesaret, the Bible says, and two ships standing by the lake. Now he saw these two ships. He's paying attention. He sees two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them. Noteworthy uh, so that God put it in the Bible to help us to understand these were not uh, just men that were out there uh, for the fun of it. They were out there practicing their skills and being fishermen. But now they've come to that which is the side of the lake. The boat is standing right there in the lake. The fishermen are gone out of the boat, but they're still busy because the latter part of that verse says that, that they were washing their nets. And so they're cleaning up their nets from fishing there. Now, I'll, I want to speak this morning on Jesus chooses his helpers. Jesus chooses his helpers. If I wanted to be a helper to Christ, if I wanted to serve God more, what are some things that he may be looking for um, so that, uh, okay, all of a sudden the teacher asked the question. Uh, she asked a question and, and, and everybody, everybody in the room raises their hand. But there's one, and that one that raises his hand, he raises it more exciting than somebody else. It's like, ooh, 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 you know, he's just so excited. I've seen teachers do this. All of a sudden they choose the one that is the most exciting when all raise their hands uh, in the mist. Now, if Jesus walked into our room this morning, they walk, he walked into this auditorium, he said, I'm looking for some people that will serve me. And uh, he looked out. I, I wonder, first off, how many would raise their hand and say, that's me, that's me, that's me. I want to serve him. That's me. Just go ahead, choose me, choose me, choose me. But I wonder how many people would do it with overzealousness, excitability, if you will, please, where all of a sudden it's like they're raising their hand and they just can't wait to get it up because they're enthused about serving Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible teaches that Christ, of course, had those that served with him in the ministry. And you can uh, be able to agree with me on this. They were very effective in their service. Uh, Christ understood he could not do it all by himself. By the way, most ministries and businesses that are successful cannot do it all by themselves. You have an example of that throughout the Bible. You see that Moses had helpers. He had Aaron and Hur. 
uh, lifting up his hands when his hands became quite heavy in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 12. He had Abraham, and of course, uh, he had Eliezer, and Eliezer was a faithful servant to Abraham, and you'll see that he was beside him to help him in the work that he would accomplish for God and recorded there in the book of Genesis chapter 5 and verse 2. Uh, you had Gideon. Uh, Gideon, of course, was known for having those 300 men, as recorded in Judges 7, 7. And what were they? They were helping him in the battle. You'll see that in the Bible, there's Saul. And uh, Saul, of course, the Bible says, listen to it, we're talking about King Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 26. The Bible talks about how Saul had a band of men uh, whose uh, hearts God had touched. And so he had a whole band of men that helped him. Uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 8, you see that David had his mighty men. And so his mighty men helped him. You'll see that Jesus had the apostles, uh, and you'll find them named in the book of Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 through 4. In the early churches, you had deacons. In our church, we have nine deacons that we recognized the other night in a special uh, honorarium time to be able to honor our deacons. Uh, Paul mentions over and over how he had helpers again and again that helped him. And so uh, the, the secret, I believe, in leading people is you get other people to help lead people. Uh, no person is able to do it all by themselves. You know, it's always exciting. We have uh, a nine different soul winning times during the week, and, and it's always exciting to be able to come out to those soul winning times, one of those or whatever, and be able to see people that are gathered together to be able to go out and talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say that Jesus very well understood that and set the pattern for that. So let's notice now, if Jesus was going to choose some helpers, what would those helpers be like? Let me give you a couple of statements for clarification. Statement number one, uh, Jesus wanted to reproduce himself in others. He wanted to reproduce himself in others. Now, can I tell you, there is no better a person than the Savior of the world that we should want to reproduce himself in us and that is the Lord Jesus Christ oftentimes you'll see uh, that a person that tries to lead someone else will also believe in what they're doing and because they believe in what they're doing they're excited about it uh, they they want to see God begin to work and so their excitement many times more than not will come out and will spread and our Lord Jesus was excited uh, about the fact that his heavenly father his Father uh, gave him a commission, gave him a mandate to be able to fulfill. And by the way, Christ filled that mandate. If it was not for Christ, you and I would have no hope of eternity in heaven. But because of Christ, you and I have all the hope. Why? Because he's the hope of glory. And may I say this this morning, uh, only in Christ can you have eternal life. I was talking to Corey yesterday uh, at a door that I knocked, and, and uh, Corey just an outstanding gentleman, and uh, I talked to him yesterday, and as uh, we were talking, he said, well, he said, I, I think that I can behave well enough to be able to earn heaven. I said, oh, Corey, don't misunderstand 
understand, uh, you'll never be able to behave well enough to uh, be able to inherit heaven. It's not going to work that way. Bible says you must be born again. He said, well, what if I get born again and I can't stay behaving right? I said, wrong emphasis. Uh, when you have children, uh, you don't tell your children before they're born, if you don't behave right, I don't want you to be born. No, but when a child is born, then you work on the behavior. You got it backwards. First, you get born into the family of God. Then you learn to behave. Uh, don't ever get it mixed up where you think you need to earn salvation. Well, uh, I, I, I'll not get saved because after all, I drink and I smoke and I dope and I chew and I, I do all this. Well, God can help you with that, but until he becomes your heavenly father, uh, uh, you doing it by yourself. My Bible says the arm of the flesh shall fail you. And so no matter how hard you try, you're going to be a failure. But when you get Jesus on board, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, oh, he says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Uh, he says that he sticketh closer than a brother. Uh, he says that uh, inside of you is all the power of the Godhead. And can I tell you, once you're saved, now you've got help on board. That's why I'm so pro-church. Because, see, when you come to church, you get to hear about the wonderful Savior. When you come to church, you get to hear how to build your faith. Oh, how many times have you come to church and you came in with a dumpy attitude, right? And then all of a sudden you heard uh, singing. Mm, that kind of mm, picked you up a little bit. And all of a sudden somebody else got up and they sang a song. Great singing today. Great specials today. And all of a sudden that lifts you out of your pit. And now all of a sudden, you know, you've got a little bit of lightness inside of you. Uh, then the preacher gets up and he opens the Bible, the eternal word of God. And he takes the eternal word of God and he begins to preach the Bible. And as he preaches the Bible, the Holy Spirit, who is communing with you as a believer, points out this truth and this truth. And now, all of a sudden, you realize it's not half as bad as what you thought it was. Why? Because you're not in it by yourself. See, I feel for lost people. Lost people that face tragedies in their life have nobody to turn to. But you and I, my dear friend, uh, when we face tragedies in our life, we have uh, the Savior of the world to be able to turn to. We have uh, the Creator God to be able to turn to. And can I tell you, during your most sorrowful times in your life, you can turn to the Master of all Masters, and He can help you to be able to make it through in every disparity that you face so Jesus wanted to reproduce himself and others statement number two so what did he do he found busy people he found busy people Luke chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2 as I read just a moment ago you see that these men were out they were fishing uh, they had come in they now got their boat on the side of the lake what are they doing even though they fished and they fished and they fished and they work hard and they put hours into it and they're tired what are they doing they're still working I mean here they're washing their nets and they're still working Oh, that doesn't surprise me. You know, Moses, when Moses was on the, uh, uh, the backside of the desert, busy, if you will, please, uh, uh, on the backside of the desert, keeping the sheep, God chose him. Why? He was busy. You think about how God chose David. David was uh, occupying his daddy's work, uh, and uh, he was busy. I, I noticed that God always chooses busy people. 
uh, somebody came to me a couple years back and they said well I, 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 you know by the way lazy person he was a lazy person and he came to me a couple years back and he said this he said well I'm not successful in anything else so I might as well preach oh God's not going to call somebody to preach and to be able to, to study the word of God in depthly and to be able to lead his dear children that's lazy uh, God calls busy people now can I say Jesus wanted to reproduce himself and others so what did he do he found busy people statement number three uh, working apart from Jesus is always going to be fruitless fruitless you're not going to see much fruit don't forget that one verse I shared a moment ago the arm of the flesh shall fail you uh, how many times does Christians get discouraged, throw in the towel, quit, walk away? How many times does believers I know, uh, they get discouraged, they say, look, church is not worth it, I'm just going to walk away, it's just not worth it, I'm going to throw in the towel, got my feelings hurt, a preacher preached too hard one day, I stepped on my toes, sit in my lap, and at the same time spit in both of my eyeballs, and it's just not worth it, and they walk away. But can I tell you, when people walk away, Way like that uh, they're not just walking away from a service uh, they're walking away from that which is uh, the Word of God and I tell you when people walk away from the Word of God there's little hope for them what our nation needs is the Word of God the more that we can get the Word of God in people and help people and encourage people well who does God use to do that he uses people that decides they're going to rely on him uh, Luke chapter 5 and verse 5, the Bible says they toiled all night and having taken nothing. Why? Because they're doing it in the arm of the flesh. Uh, don't forget now, these are discouraged men. Don't forget that Peter went a-fishing. Don't forget that there was five other guys that said, hey, if you go a-fishing, I'll go with you. I'll just go with you. What's that show me? No matter what you do in life, somebody's going to follow you. Give you an example you get excited about church you start telling your neighbors you start telling your friends eventually somebody's going to show up just because you're excited yeah uh, you get discouraged about church well I just come to church and I don't get anything out of it man I just listen but it's hard to stay awake uh, by the way if you ever have trouble staying awake if, if you'll raise your hand just mildly a little bit I'll come back and preach to you a personal sermon and I'll, I'll help you get awake a little bit you know maybe what you could do if you see somebody falling asleep in church you could actually get spiritual and use spiritual words and say amen in their ear that'll keep them awake a little bit you know, maybe you could get excited and raise your hand from time to time and say, oh, by the way, I preach in a lot of churches across America, and can I tell you, the churches that have the pastors that are on fire for Jesus also have congregations that's on fire. You say, well, you know, the, the fire needs to be built in the pulpit. Well, but can I tell you, if we're right with God, we'll be excited about the preaching too. Here's what we understand, that Jesus wanted to reproduce himself and others. Statement number two, Jesus found busy people. Statement number three, a working apart from Jesus is fruitless. Uh, here are these men, what did they do? They fished all night, all night. How many of you, here we go, how many of you have ever set up all night trying to accomplish something? You've ever done that in your life? Raise your hand, raise your hand. 
You know, the next morning, if you're like I am when I sit up all night, I'm not worth shooting. I don't have any energy. I don't have any get up and go. My eyes are bloodshot red. My mind is in neutral. And my body wants to go in reverse and land in the bed. It's just hard. But here these guys fished all night. I'm not talking about their fellowshipping all night around the fire and just having a good time in Jesus. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about they're out in the sea. I'm talking about, if you will please, or rather out in the lake. Uh, they're out there and they're toiling and they're fishing and they're trying to uh, be able, if you will please, to uh, uh, catch some fish and they're tired and they're weary. But here's what they did. They still did do their responsibility. Thank God for the choir member when they're tired, they still show up. Thank God for the Sunday school teacher when they're tired and they're weary, they still show up. Thank God for those that are tired and weary, but they still get up and they practice their songs with their groups so that you could hear wonderful singing that took place this morning. Hey, thank God for those that are tired, but they just keep going. Hey, thank God for the church member tired, but you're here. You'll be tired tonight, but most of you will be back tonight. You'll be tired on Wednesday night, but most of you will be back on Wednesday night. You'll be tired and you don't feel like passing out a gospel track, but you do it. You know, sometimes we just have to learn to serve God even when we're tired. Uh, Jesus uh, wanted to reproduce himself and others. Jesus found busy people uh, working apart from Jesus' fruitless statement number next. Those who work for Christ must obey his word. Now, this gets interesting. Uh, Luke chapter 5 and in verse 5, the Bible says, here's what Peter is saying. He said, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good? Oh, wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good if uh, we had a teenager that said to mom and daddy, uh, listen, at your word, I'll do whatever you say. Wouldn't it be great to have some obedient teenagers that would do that? Wouldn't it be great uh, if you're an, um, uh, an employer and you have employees working under you? Wouldn't it be great if all your employees would say this to you? Hey, whatever you say, it's what I'm going to do. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, you said it ought not to be that way. According to the Bible, it should be. But here's what we see. Uh, uh, here uh, the Lord if you will uh, tells him what to do and here Peter speaks up if you will and he says at thy word I will let down the net and so here he is he said okay uh, you're telling me to do something I'm going to put my will in there he said I will I will so that's a good part about it because Peter is speaking up and he said hey look I, I will do this now it's better to say it and do it than only to say it and never do it. I don't know how many times you know you might be uh, um, in a business transaction or it might be that uh, you have somebody that says, hey, I would do this, and you get let down because they just don't do it. But here's what you see. The Bible teaches here that Jesus uh, uh, tells them what to do. He says, not thy word. He says, uh, I will let down the net. But then watch this. Uh, they did not adequately prepare for the blessing. In other words, uh, they did not completely obey. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to say, man, I'm supercharged. I'm energetic. I'm excited. I want to see God do something. It's another thing to be energetic, supercharged, and excited about God doing something, and it's another thing to follow through. 
to let God do it. So here's what we see in our Bibles. The Bible talks about here in Luke chapter 5 and in verse 4 where he said, let down, he said, let down your nets for a draw. That's what Jesus told him to do in verse 4. Uh, here you see back in verse 5, I read a moment ago, he said, at that word, I'll let down. And watch the significance of this. He said, I will let down the net, singular. Well, that's not what Jesus told him to do. Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to let down. Now, you imagine God the creator working through his son, Jesus Christ, has already summoned all these fish throughout the lake. All these fish now, they have a mission. And these fish now are heading towards the boat. I mean, they know they've got a mission. Uh, God, the creator God. By the way, the creator God that can lead a human is the, also the creator God that can lead an animal. Say, I don't believe that in the Old Testament. I think it was a donkey that spoke. Uh, in the Old Testament, as we studied Jonah, the Bible says that God prepared a fish. That fish had a will of God. He had a purpose for which he was uh, prepared. So uh, here God prepared these fish, and now all of a sudden this great school of fish is coming towards the boat. But just because uh, you had somebody uh, by the name of Peter that heard the words of everybody else, and uh, God said, let down the nets, just do it. In other words, get totally involved. Give it everything you've got. Everything that is yours ought to be God's. Let me say it again. Everything that is yours ought to be God's. Oh, but God, I'll tell you what, I've got this, but you're only going to get a part of it, okay? Then here's what happens. You'll see it here in the contents of the Scripture. Then you only get part of the blessing. Now, what are you going to do when you appear at the judgment seat of Christ and you're sorrowful because you know in this life you should have gave God more, but you settled to give Him less? I played football just a little bit. I, I was heavy into boxing more so in high school than anything else. But uh, eh, there, was a, there was a time I, I played just a little bit of football and, and stuff. But I found this out that uh, uh, because I was a fast runner and stuff like that, and, and they had guys out there running it, and I knew I could do a better job than they could. But uh, I was on the bench a couple of times and sitting there. And can I tell you, here's what happened. When they got somebody out there running the ball and they got hit, and they got taken down. I would sit there and think, I could have did better than that. I mean, I could have. I could have did better than that. He should have swooped around. You know, he could have flipped over that guy. He could have trumped over top of him. He could have stepped on his head. I mean, I could have did better than that. But I was sitting on the bench, and there was just no joy. I pity people that come to church only to be served when God created you to serve. You're not supposed to come to church to see how much you can get out of it. We've been spoon-fed in America long enough. It's about time that Christians in America take on their sole responsibility and rise up and do something for God. By the way, can I tell you this? The people that's involved become more faithful. You know why? Because the more you get involved, the more you see that you need God. The more you see the arm of the flesh will fail you. So the people that get more involved, here's what happens, they come more faithful because they say, I, I, I need to learn more about this. I need to get more of God in me to help me. 
So I'm saying this, he looked for busy people. As he looked for busy people, uh, those that worked in their, uh, apart from him were fruitless. Uh, then you'll see those that work for Christ must obey his word, but don't just obey some of it. Obey all of it. Oh, I remember when God called me to preach. I did not, honestly, I, I did not want to preach. When I was in high school, I had a stammering problem. I mean, it was quite embarrassing. I stuttered and I stammered. I wanted to crawl in a corner. I wanted to sit by myself. I didn't, I didn't want to talk. Because every time I would talk, it would just, I would stammer and I would stutter. And I remember June 26, just like it was yesterday, 1982. I remember it. God had been working on my heart for some time about preaching the Bible. I did not want to preach the Bible. Are you kidding me? I'm going to get up. I'm going to begin to stutter. People are going to stare at me, and they're going to begin to laugh. Why would I want to choose personally to put myself in such an awkward position just so people could make fun of me and laugh? No way. God, choose somebody else, and I'll pay. I'll get a good job, and I'll, I'll pay their way. I'll be a good tither. I'll be a good giver, but eh, come on, not me. I'm going to embarrass me, and I'm going to embarrass you. It's going to be a really sore sight to see. But amazingly, because I'd stuttered all through high school. I mean, I, I had to take a speech therapist class, and they were trying to teach me how not to stutter. And so it was, it was horrible. I mean, I was captain of the track team for those uh, couple years I ran track and field. I was captain of the track team, and I couldn't even give an instruction without stuttering. And the guy's just looking at me, waiting for me to get it out so they would know what to do. It's horrible. It's horrible. But after God called me to preach, I, I cannot really understand it or explain it, but my stuttering started to go away. And now, uh, I don't have as much problem stuttering at all. Oh, I may hang up every now and again, but I don't hang up very often. Now, that's the good grace of God. Amen. But yet, we sit here and we say, but you understand, God, I've only got this much and I can't give it. God knows exactly how much you have. He knows exactly who you are. He does not want us to continue to make the lame brain excuses as to why, but you don't understand, God, I've never done that before. You don't understand, God, I don't have that ability. You don't understand, God, I don't have that confidence. You don't understand, God, that is not within my personality reach. God, you just don't understand. Uh, he's going to tell you exactly what he told Moses when he said, who made you? What are you saying? You can't do this. Who made you? You know, for people that come to church and they say, well, I'll tell you what, I can never sing in a choir. I mean, look at me. I can never be an usher. Look at me. I can never stand up behind a pulpit. Look at me. I can never teach a Sunday school class. Look at me. That's the problem. You're looking at you. You're not supposed to look at you. You're supposed to look at the God that made you. The God that made you is able to mold you and help you and guide you and lead you and uh, able to use you in a, a, a great fashion if you just decide to give your all to him. Here's what we see. We see this morning that in Luke chapter 5 and verse 4, he said, let down your nets for a draw. 
The Bible says in verse 6, the Bible says, and they had done this, and they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and let down their nets. So God is leading all the school of fish. Oh, I wish God would do that when I go fishing. When I go fishing, the schools don't come from me. The schools run from me. And I, I mean, it's not because of my deodorant. But here God all of a sudden started working, and he's leading these schools of fish to the boat. Now, maybe they didn't know why they were going to the boat. If so, maybe some of them would have been rebellious. Maybe some of them were Baptist fish. I don't know. But I do know this, that God's leading the school over to the boat. And as he's leading the school over to the boat, if they just would have obeyed, the blessing is coming. Somebody says this. Somebody says, well, uh, God's not blessing me. He blesses you according to your obedience. Peter could have had a whole lot more if he was obedient all the way. You know, somebody says, well, I tell you what, if I surrender to the ministry or I surrender to obey God completely, I'll never have a nice house. I'll never drive a nice car. It's not true. I believe to the degree that uh, it's not a prosperity gospel. I'm talking about serving God, not the gospel. But as you serve God, God. Oh, David said this. David was now old. You remember the story? Here's what David said. He said, I once was young. Remember this in your Bible? I once was young. Remember him saying this? I once was young, and now I'm old. So he's talking as an old man. He said, I once was young, now I'm old. Then he testifies. But I've never seen God's people forsaken or his seed begging for bread. What's that mean, preacher? That means that David ate good. Oh, preacher, but if I, if I give my all to God, I just might starve. Oh, no. God will make sure that you eat good. I can testify. Yeah. I'm saying this. I'm saying that uh, here's what we understand. Those who work for Christ must obey his word. He was supposed to let down the nets. He let down the net. Now, because he let down the net, what happened? That net, that one net, began to break because he wasn't completely obedient. Oh, but God, you know, if I do this, I can't see, I can't see how you're going to do it. God, I just can't see my dear friend, there is a such thing as living by faith. Sometimes you won't see it until it happens. Now, that's why, if I were you, I love you, I do, I care about you. I'm privileged that uh, some of you, uh, uh, you get to call me pastor, I get to call you uh, my people, and I thank God for that, those that join the church. That name, that's wonderful. We're in it as a team. We're going forward, we're trying to work, we're trying to serve God. I praise God for that. But can I tell you that, uh, you know, your faith is an individual thing. I can serve God, be excited about it, and, and, uh, and, I'll, and God will be kind to me, and God will bless me. And I'll be honest with you, I'll take it. I'll take it. I don't say, God, please, 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 don't give me any food. You know, my, my family, they deserve to go without food. No, no, no. God, keep bringing it. Matter of fact, bring it in pizza form. <laughs> Just keep bringing it. 
okay but now wait watch this here he's not gonna bless you if you don't give him okay you have two children one child says this both both older teenagers got their license have two children one child you say make your bed clean up the backyard wash the truck clean out that section of the garage and keep going and maybe maybe I'll let you use the vehicle he walks away real snarry you know I can't believe my dad wants me to do that what does he think I am his son walks away man the other teenager yes sir so he's given instructions you clean out the other side of the garage you clean out mama's car you put away everything that's in your room you fix it up nice and you work if you would please on the front yard got several bushes out there needs to be cut take care of that and I'll let you use one of the vehicles when I get home this young man says I'll do it I'll do it wow so dad if I do it and this is how teenagers are will you pay for the gas dad says okay I'll pay for the gas sure 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 but but I'll let you use it if you get it all done that teenager walked away that first one said I'm not gonna do it you kidding me I'm not gonna do it I mean there's just no way I'm not gonna I can't believe that my dad would expect me to work in my own house where I live breathe and sleep in his bed walk on his carpet and eat his food I just can't believe he'd expect that out of me but the other teenager all oh, the other teenager says I'll do it I'll do it and man does he do it I mean he does a first-class job now who do you think is going to earn the transportation the blessing it's the one that obey see teenager I, I was preaching youth camp many years ago and uh, it's happened to other preachers it did happen to me personally so it's just not a story borrowed from another preacher but I was preaching uh, for uh, Brother Martin Maddox in Gouin, Alabama many years ago. We used to preach his youth camps. Teenager came up to me and said, now, my parents are always getting on my case. They're always, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, just clean your room. What is your problem? Clean your room. He said, preacher, you know, you preach the Bible this week. You got Bible answers. How can I get my parents off my case? I said, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. <laughs> Because as you obey, you get the blessing. That's just how it is. By the way, we never outgrow that. We want God's blessings, always the same. It's always the same. You do what he says, he blesses you. You do what he says, he blesses you. You do what he says. Look, if I had a family that was a dysfunctional family, in other words, things are not going right, mom and dad's in a mess, always fighting, thinking about divorce, uh, kids are always in a mess, kids are rebellious, kids are just not doing right. Man, you need a whole lot more church than just Sunday morning. You know, the people that come to me for counsel the most are the ones that are the most backslidden most of the time that are not in church. You know what my first counsel to them is? Get in church. If God can't help you, you really think I can help you? Get in church. Here's what we understand. Uh, we understand this, now that I just, with that statement, became your favorite preacher. <laughs> statement number one, Jesus wanted to reproduce himself in others. Statement number two, Jesus found busy people. Statement number three, uh, working apart from Jesus 
is fruitless. Statement number four, uh, those who work for Christ must obey his word. Statement number five, uh, he did not, uh, if you would please, adequately, talking about Peter, prepare for the blessing. Uh, statement number six, these servants use their talents later to catch men. You know, the same God that blesses you in your business can use you for the glory of God to help other people come to know Christ. I'm almost done. Luke chapter 5 and verse 10, the Bible says, Henceforth, thou shalt catch men. He's talking to these men that now learn what it was to rely on God. So what's that tell me? That tells me the plumber can be used of God. That tells me the lawyer can be used of God. The dentist can be used of God. The police officer can be used of God. That tells me the judge can be used of God, the doctor can be used of God, the nurse can be used of God, the carpenter can be used of God, the electrician can be used of God, the ventriloquist can be used of God, or whatever else a person chooses to do, guess what? You can be used of God. Uh, think about this, and I'm almost done. Here it is, uh, two more statements, and that is this. Uh, so it's, it's the most profitable when you decide to give God your all. It's most profitable when you decide. The Bible says, Luke chapter 5, Five and verse 11, they forsook all. Uh, by the way, these were uh, businessmen. Their father was Zebedee. They were in the business, the fisherman's business. It was a business. And so what did they do? Oh, what do you think Zebedee thought? thought? Man, here are my sons. They're going to leave and follow a stranger. But they knew what God wanted them to do. Last statement, here it is. And so uh, later on, however, when they got far away from God, God is the one that brought them back. Here's what I find out. As a person gets away from God, God always tries to work in bringing them back. He always does. Now, if you were honest, and I said this, how many of you in your life, don't, I'm not going to get you to raise your hand so you can feel comfortable. How many of you in your life have ever gone through a period, whether it is short, moderate, or long, where you were cold on God? We can call it backslidden. Okay? Everybody in this room, if you were honest, would have to raise your hand. But God always tries to bring his children back. Uh, John chapter 21, verse 7, last verse I'll read. Therefore, it says, that disciple uh, whom Jesus loved, that's John the beloved we would know, saith to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Peter heard it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat Onto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. See, Peter got to a point into his place where he denied Christ, denied the church, denied the disciples, cursed, swore, and was caught in an unfashionable way of presenting himself in a public arena. All right, so what takes place? God appears again. God teaches him. God reaches him. Now, can I tell you, no matter how far you ever get away from God, God is the one, if you will, God is the one that can help you to be able to get back. How does he do that? Sometimes he'll use a preacher. Sometimes he'll use a teacher. Sometimes he'll use a friend. And the wise friend will always point you to Christ, will never point you to themselves because they realize their arm is flesh too. There's no man in here that has all the answers. Christ has all the answers. So what happens is uh, they'll point you to Christ. And as they point you to Christ, Christ will welcome you back, will restore you. 
There's something about having a personal relationship with God that would change your life. And by the way, you can be close to him when the preacher's not around. Teacher's not around. Parents are not around. Most difficult time comes in your life. He said, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee. He's there for you every waking hour. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, please, if you will, for just a moment. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.